Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the War Makers podcast. The one-stop shop for courage, confidence and mindset building. Also bringing you all the aspects of mental health awareness, business and entrepreneurship. We are your hosts, Adam Ellis and Jason Borman of the Raw Makers Coaching. Um, tonight we've got a very, very, very special guest, Jim Luke, who is um, a dear friend. He's a fellow coach, a credited coach. Um, he's currently training to be an NLP master as well. Um, he's been an athletic coach in the swim team for like over 37 years and um, he's taken people like from newbies to kind of champions and yeah he's done a lot in the sporting world Um, he's also an author of five books Um, he's a motivational leader and a speaker and we're so pleased to have him on tonight and uh, to get shoot a shotgun at a, a whole wall full of things. It's like, yeah, you probably did a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But the biggest thing, what I have always found the most gratification, the most satisfaction is working with people and getting people to overcome previously perceived obstacles and things of that nature and just get them to do something that was out of their comfort zone and they turn around and give you that big ear to ear grin. There's just fewer things that are more gratifying than that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've got to agree with you on that. So I noticed uh, an accent there. So you're obviously from America. Can you tell us <laughs> a little bit about that? Um, yes. Or as they say, the colonies, right? Um, I grew up in Kentucky graduated from the University of Tennessee, so I have a bit of that Southern twang in me. Um, I've lived all over the country. I lived in California. I lived in the heartland in Iowa. Um, You know, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, those are all those, as they call them, the I flyover states in the middle of the country. Uh, I lived in Arizona, um, Illinois once before, Michigan, Indiana, and now I'm in the Chicago area. And we're going to be moving to Arizona sometime after the first of the year to be closer to my in-laws. Yeah. So when when I get tired, if I if I have an adult beverage or two, I'll I'll start drawing out my words and get a big old twang. Shoot, the next thing you know, I might come up with something be a great lyric for a country and western song. <laughs> so I'm like familiar with the New York, New Jersey area because I lived uh, myself for like. 
you mentioned that you're a swim coach and stuff like that. He's uh, trained all his athletes and stuff. Um, what can you tell us about your, your journey with that and kind of yeah, yeah when I was in college, I started, I had swum for 13 years through high school and I was, I was an average swimmer, um, you know, competed the high school championships and that, but I, I was never a national caliber swimmer. I uh, didn't come real easy. And I was under the belief and mindset, if you worked harder than somebody else, you might catch a few breaks. You were never entitled to anything, nor was anything granted. And so um, I started coaching in the summers, and then it started becoming a you know a, became a year round thing. And I was actually coaching full time when I was finishing my undergrad, and I was actually an assistant for the college women's team at the University of Tennessee my last year as an undergrad. So here I am, a student coaching the women, you know, at, at the university. And uh, then I just pursued it from there. And, um, you know, you can read stuff in a book, Jason, Adam. You can, you know, you can watch videos, listen to coaches talk. But the, the truth is, it's not unlike what we do now is you see the people, you know what's on their hearts. And, you know, you know when somebody's not being straight up with, you can tell they just don't have that passion and conviction. And, as I told somebody the other day, somebody had asked me, well, Jim, what is a coach? And I said, well, the great John Wooden said, a coach is a person who gets people to do things they don't want to do to enable them to become the people they want to become. Well, in our quote unquote life coaching, what we're doing now, somebody thought, well, are you going to be like a a counselor, a psychologist, what, what do you, I said, no, those guys asked somebody, why are you taking a manure bath and why, how long do you plan on staying in it? What a coach, what we do, we stand them up in the bathtub, we hose them off, hand them a towel and a change of clothes and says, come on, we got something better down the road. So absolutely what we do is about getting people to see what the using those tools that they already possess because you know what there's nobody that has a magic wand sprinkling dust over these people to be something they're not all we do is we enable them to see something that has been hidden or they just didn't realize it for so long and that's why i'm really excited about this career is what is going to transpire in the lives of people that i get blessed to work with. I don't know who all they are, but I'm about to find out as we go forward. And it's pretty exciting. I'm getting fired up, just getting up every day, which I do at 4.15, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that analogy though, right? Of how you describe the coach there. And um, yeah, it really is kind of taking someone as they are and building upon that platform and bringing them out of their own way and allowing them to see who they really are, you know, underneath there's, them. There's, there's two things with what you just said. And I, I have no idea what anybody's level of faith is or anything else. But one, God doesn't make mistakes and God doesn't make junk. 
So everybody we deal with has unbelievable skills and talents. And that we just get to pull back the curtain and say, voila, you are the man behind the curtain and you've got some incredible things ahead. I mean, I see it every day as well. Like you see people you've known for a long time and then they they do something that totally surprises you, like a hidden talent that you're not shown before or you know, you've not seen in that person. And you like you look at them completely differently and it's kind of wow, there you are. Like, yeah. Well, Jason, one thing I can tell you with 100% certainty, you will never see me singing online saying, <laughs> oh, yeah, boy, he's got a good <laughs> knock on there. No, no, no. That's it. That's something I like to do to show my confidence in that area and or build my confidence in that area. Like, I'm still growing myself and I don't come. I don't confess to be the finished article whatsoever. Like I'm still building, I'm still, you know, becoming the person that I'm supposed to be, right? And like as we all are. Um yeah. I don't know if you've got a question. So from from where you was from high school to where you are now, what's the biggest obstacle or hurdle you've overcome? Well, um, I didn't know in high school, and I didn't realize until I was about halfway through college that I heard, had a learning disability. I just thought that maybe I just wasn't as smart as somebody else. And up until about a month ago, I hid that quiet for 40 years. And so that was, I started school a year early. So I started in first grade at the age of five. I started college at 17, so obviously I had something going on between the years that I was able to do the coursework, but man, it was a struggle. And what I realized, I was never part of the in crowd in high school. I was always, I was literally a year behind everybody else, so I was always one of the smaller guys. So I was never going to be the star football, basketball player, but I did pretty well in swimming. And that was my deal. And so, but what I learned was people who were stars in high school maybe didn't translate to their adult life the same. And I realized that one, I had a, a pretty strong work ethic and I absolutely would outwork somebody. And I tell people when I have an office, I tell people, I said, no one in this office will outwork me. I'm the one turning on the coffee in the morning and I'm the one turning the lights out at night. And so I just, the thing that I, I absolutely believe is that if you are willing to pay your dues and I tell people in the business world, normally it only takes 20 years to be an overnight success because what the public sees is just the tip of the iceberg. They see the final product. And when you look at athletic teams and they win a championship and they're all smiling, hooting and hollering and shooting the champagne over, let me tell you something. Those champions, they were smiling well before they got to the end game. They already had the mindset that they were champions, that they were winners. And so in that 40 years since I was actually, it's almost 45 years since I was in high school, I realized 
that if you are truly committed and passionate about something, as as Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of, of, of uh, Calcutta said, you don't have to do great things, but in all things, do them with great love. That if you truly are passionate and you have a love about something, there is nothing going to stop you from ultimately getting something better than where you were before. And, and so many people get tied up into these labels and these titles. Do you think somebody that I coached in swimming is going to look back and say, well, Jim's team's never won a national championship, so he wasn't a very good coach. No, I've got people from 40, 45 years ago that have recently reached out to me through social media, and they said, I want you to know something. What you taught, taught me back then, I still use now. You know, you made an impact in my life that I had no idea at the time. But as I've gone on more and more, it's like, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe how fortunate I was and the impact that you made. And that's their words. That That's not me tooting my horn. But it, it's just one of those things that Adam and every day I get up, it's just like, OK, what can I learn today? Am I going to learn that if I don't challenge myself, I'm going to stay stagnant? Could be, you know, because our tendency is we all want to be a little bit lazy. But I, I mean, I just turned 61 last week. I, you know, all these people say, oh, I'm going to retire at 65 or 67. It's like, I'm not going to retire. I may change what I do. But first off, I don't do sedentary very well. I suck sitting on a couch. I'm telling you, it's not a good picture. I can't do it. So I'm going to be out doing something. Somebody asked me, and I don't mean to get off on a tangent here, but somebody asked me, what do I want in my retirement? Honestly, I want to make an impact, and I want to keep making an impact. I want an RV, and I want a dog. That's it. I don't have to belong to a a country club, a golf course. I'm not going to go run a daggone vineyard somewhere. What the heck is that? That's no, I want to keep, I want to associate. I love people. I absolutely love people. And I, I enjoy success of others probably even more than I enjoy it for myself. And as the great tennis player, Jimmy Connors said, what makes you a great player? And he says, because I hate to lose more than I love to win. And I love to win. Well, you know what? I love to make an impact. And I hate thinking I missed an opportunity to change the, and better the life of somebody else. Love it. Amazing. Um, well, this, you can see, guys, why we want Jim on the podcast. He's just full of quotes knowledge, um, enthusiasm, like energy. Um, Just so you know, I did earn a BS degree in college. <laughs> and you can take that as Bachelor of Science or whatever you want. <laughs> um, yeah, you're quite right. You now I've got a career or back career in sports coaching as well. Like I used to teach. Um, canoeing and all sorts of outdoor activities and um, I can really get you know where you're coming from with that that story where they called you up and they said they're still using those skills today because what we teach as coaches is the fundamentals right like you know the the basics of you know 
is what you need to get right in order to kind of build on, you know, have a platform on which to build, you know, the champion in, you know, the athlete. Yeah, so, yeah, the fundamentals are going to take distance forever and ever. One of the sweetest things I ever heard was when an athlete would come over and they said, I didn't want to disappoint you because I knew that you knew that I could do this and you believed that I could do it. And to me, um, you know, that was powerful. In the last seven or eight years that I coached, three different times, I was asked to be a confirmation sponsor for one of my swimmers. And to me, I feel like that means I'm touching them on a whole different level on a different plane that I'm, I'm touching them on the heart and not just when, when swimmers would come out of the water and this was as young as 10 year olds, they would come over and I would say, what did you think? And they were not allowed to say good, bad, fast or slow, because that told me nothing. And they did not take ownership of it. They had to sit and analyze their race. They took ownership of it. And if they made a mistake, they knew I wasn't going to rip off their head and crap down their neck. We were going to talk about it because these guys that, especially with kids, when they yell at these kids about a race or something like that, I just want to go up to that guy and say, you know what? You're one of the most insecure people I've ever met in my life because your ego got bruised because your kid swam like a kid will do. But you're thinking everybody in the world thinks that you're a bad coach because somebody swam poorly. Guess what, Jack? There's 3.2 billion people in China that don't care what your swimmer just did, so they don't know who you are, so get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just went off on a tangent again, guys. You give me, you give me an inch, and I grab a mile. <laughs> but you know what? That's what life's all about. It's not what's available, but how much are you willing to grab, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we don't mind a bit. So, um, yeah. So, in terms of like courage and confidence, Sam, what would you say has been your, you know, your standout? Um, use of courage in your life? Great question. And I don't think I have to dig too deep to know this. In all the coaching jobs that I took, I literally, okay, when I graduated from the University of Tennessee, that's in Knoxville, I interviewed for a club coaching job in Barstow, California, which is in between Las Vegas and Los Angeles. I am literally moving all the way across the country and I know no one. Year and a half later, I took the middle of the country. You know, we're talking of, you know, a 30 hour drive if you were going to drive it, right? Again, I knew no one but the five board members who interviewed me. So every one of my, I have no problem uprooting and going wherever in a very short order i'll have a circle of friends i'll do this that and the other because i know what i can offer somebody and what i can bring to the table and if somebody doesn't want that that's fine i don't take it personally 
I mean, that's one of the things is you got to have thick skin and you got to have a soft heart. Just make sure you don't confuse those where you have a tough heart and thin skin. Not good. I mean, when somebody says something critical of me, first off, no matter anything somebody says is not as critical that I am internally on myself because I know what my expectations are for me. But I take it to heart and I say, where did I make a mistake? Where can I learn and where can I be better? Because for me to truly contribute to somebody else, I have to be on my game. I have to be the best that I can be. And when I'm on my game, um, I, I think people benefit. So I, I don't know. Hopefully I'm not tooting my horn. But. Right. Toot your horn. Because, you know, we all need to kind of celebrate our wins. And, you know, we look back on our life. That's how you build self-esteem. That's how you build self-confidence. Yeah. Um, which is why the world is so lacking nowadays in those two things because you know there's this bad stigma around tooting your own horn and you know and we definitely should celebrate everything good that we do in our lives because it's you know it's milestones in our lives that we're going to one day look back on you're right and, yeah i was there i did that and you know yeah definitely so, Adam, what else uh, is going on in your brain? You've been quiet through this and <laughs> one, and I took the reins and ran with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just, I just listen to the value that gets dropped on this podcast. Yeah. I normally come in with the one question that makes the uh, the podcastee go on a tangent that gives them lots of value. That's my job I, role in here. I didn't have been very very complimentary and very nice in their comments to me very supportive and everything but you know we were on a call and Suze came in and she said Jim make sure you do this I wasn't perfect I was like okay sweet thank you I don't take it personally when somebody has some you know comments constructive criticism whatever it is because the fact that People come to us as coaches because they have situations, whatever that is going on in their life. Do you think just because we have earned a title that removes our problems? No. I always find it ironic that uh, divorce counselors have three and four marriages. 
what's up with that? I mean, it's like, do you ever listen to yourself? Or do you have somebody you can go to? You know, so I just think that every single person that I encounter, I try to figure out what can I learn from them? Not how can I take advantage of them? Or what can I gain that they're going to have to lose something for me? No, 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 no. It's none of that. It is every single person that we encounter in our life has something to offer. And as I, I shared this, and I, I laugh about it because I'm talking to people in the United Kingdom. And, you know, we have exposure to British accents through Benny Hill, Monty Python, Mike Myers, and Shrek. And so I use that one. And I say, when you're coaching, you have to use the Shrek method. And if you remember the movie where Shrek is talking to the donkey, and this is, and I apologize. Somebody told me I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger, <laughs> a Brit. He says, donkey, you got to understand, ogres are like onions. And the donkey says, why? Because y'all stink? He says, no, because we have layers and you got to peel them back. That's our job. When they give you an answer, it's simply telling you, guess what? I'm leading you somewhere. There's, there's a reason and a basis why I just gave you that answer. We have to keep peeling back until we ultimately get to the bottom of it. And, and then, you know, I always say, and this isn't original, you know, you have two ears and one mouth, use them proportionally. And, and I just posted this the other day again, sometime the most poignant comment you can make is an asking another question. Because the other side of it, as a CYA, if you ask questions instead of making statements, you never get accused of lying. So if somebody says something that's outrageous, you don't say, you're, you're a complete idiot. That's crazy. What you do is say, you know what? That's really an interesting perspective. Can you give me some more insight? What exactly you meant by that? Yeah. Everybody in the world knows the guy's an idiot. I can't believe you didn't say you're a friggin' idiot. Well, I didn't say that. I said, can you explain your position? So, yeah, I don't know if I gave a nugget there or was just chipping away at dirt. But um, no, that's a very interesting like statement to make, actually, or like, insight, because that's very emotionally intelligent. What you just described there is a perfect way of going about like um, being emotionally intelligent and in the being. Yeah. Yeah. Asking a question with intrigue and interest rather than jumping down someone's throat, calling them an idiot, whatever. Um, and I had a situation with a, yeah. a club team. And it was the last club team I was with. And one of the parents, the woman who was the president of the board was trying to separate the coaches. And she and I sat down to talk one night and the stuff was already coming to a head. And I said, Karen, I owe you an apology. And she thought I was going to say, you know, this, that, and the other, I said, I owe you an apology because when I heard everything you were doing, 
I should never have thought that about another person. And I apologize for thinking that. She just sat there. She didn't know what to say. It completely took her by surprise. How do you, how do you respond to that? Somebody just said, I'm sorry, and you've got no course for recourse. And I, I completely defused her and took her game. I then took charge of the situation, which she's like, well, you know, the, the reputation and everything, I don't know who's going to do it. I said, let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm taking over the club going forward. I am now in charge of the club. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, and nothing we do happens by chance. I, when I started my, my niche, as y'all say over here, we call it a niche, but the niche, I was going to work with athletic coaches because they don't have anybody to talk to. If you go to your supervisor in athletics, especially in college athletics in the U S they will use it against you when something goes wrong. So you can't go to your supervisors. And I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Then a couple of weeks ago, uh, I shared with somebody about my learning disability and I sat in on a seminar on coaching people with ADHD and I literally saw my life unfolding and I said, oh my gosh. And in the meantime, I had just signed up two clients in the course of my conversation, both of them have ADHD. Now you think things are ironic or by chance ain't no chance in hell. Everything is destined, and you know I'm I'm not I I'm in charge. I'm in control. God's in charge of my life, but I'm in control. And um, no, I'm I'm just blessed that uh, He gave me a gift for Gab, but more importantly, He gave me. Seven. I've not had a soft drink, a Coke, Diet Coke, none of it. I had an internal issue. I quit drinking it. And I have never picked it back up. Now I'll drink black coffee from now till the cows come home. <laughs> That's just, and every now and then I might drink an energy drink, but for the most part, uh, yeah. yeah. But what my, what my dream in the next year, year and a half is that all these restrictions drop and we are able to have an in-person thing with TCM yeah. and I get to come across the pond and meet all these people that, you know, I think everybody's going to need to, to like carry a, a cardboard cutout. So we just see from here up. So everybody knows what they look like. <laughs> it's like, Oh, golly, you're a lot taller than I saw because in my screen, you're only an inch and a half tall. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely got out of me. I'm six foot four. But... You are? Yeah. Oh, have I told you? I'm only 5'8", Jason. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm only 5'10". No, I tell people, if you want to know what I look like, think about Barney Rubble. Same hairstyle. I'm short, squatty. Yeah. I'm also, I can't wait to shake your hand. The man looking forward to Oh, that. dude, no, no, no. There ain't no shaking hands. That's a hug. Yeah. I'm a hugger. That's the way I am. I'm a hugger. So... <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Can. The only reason I'd shake your hand is if you had sleeves on to see if you had a knife up your sleeve. Because that's where the handshake around. You know that, right? Yeah. In the old west, that's how the handshake started. They want to make sure they had no weapons up their sleeve. Right. So yeah.
Um, so, as a, sort of a last question, um, where can people get hold of you if they want to work with you? Oh, great question. Um, my my email is lifecoachjim at outlook.com. Uh, the videos that I'm posting, if we're not friends on Facebook, um, it's coachjim60 is my Instagram and TikTok. That's where I'm posting my, uh, you know, the little coach clips. Uh, I do have a website, lifecoachgem.pro. And, uh, you know, so I do podcasts as well. We're on a little hiatus right now. But, uh, yeah, I would, uh, and if somebody reaches out to me, I give out my cell number if people want to call me. So, I, I guess Facebook, can people contact you on there? Yeah, and it's Jim, J-I-M, and my last name looks like Lutz because most people say, but it's Lutz, L-U-T-Z. And um, the picture, my profile picture is actually myself and my two sons. We're wearing suits and ties and have sunglasses on. And uh, I wanted to put every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, but it <laughs> oh, it's gonna change. It's gonna change here real soon as I transition into the the coaching. I mean, I'm still with the financial company that I've been with, and they know the higher ups know what I'm doing, and um, so yeah, it. Um, I I love to talk. I love to help any way I can, and if anybody hears this and want to know. Um, first off, if anybody reaches out to me, uh, my first sense is gratitude and humility that anybody valued something that I, I could have shared that they considered a value. And second off, um, I'm extremely approachable and I will tell you anything you have questions about. If somebody's really interested in, in me coaching them, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I'll tell you guys, I, I, it was not easy growing up. You know, I was the youngest of six and my mom raised us. So when mom died last month, cause my dad was 33 years old and he died of an aneurysm a week before Christmas. And I was only two months old and mom raised all of us. So when she died, I actually lost both my parents and last month. And, you know, she was two months shy of 97. We learned out very, very early that we can't afford that. Uh, you're going to go without. You will get clothes when your brother outgrows his. Uh, if you want a new bike, you're going to cut grass all summer and you'll buy it yourself because I'm not going to buy you a bike for Christmas. My mom was awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's not like she did. My mom was incredible. What she was able to do, never took one penny of government government assistance until she retired. Then she got her social security, which she worked her whole life to earn. Um, but there's always, there's always something out there that gives us reason to get out of bed, put one foot in front of the other. And, um, you know, I, I took my walk this morning. There were 40 mile an hour winds. It was drizzly. I felt like I was in London. 
at least my perception of what London's like. Um, but you know what? Nobody's forcing me to do that. Nobody forces me to do anything. I want to provide for my family. I want to leave an impact on people. And that doesn't mean I want to say, oh, this is my opinion. It's right. No. Somebody might hear something I say and they're like, well, he told me what not to do based on what he said. That's definitely not what I want. And that's fine. That is absolutely fine. I don't claim to be right. But I don't claim to be shy and bashful either. So you got to you got to go with the get bad, right? You you take it for what it's worth. But um, no, if if seriously, if anybody, I mean, connect through the coaching masters, connect through the Facebook. But uh, I'd love to hear from people, and as I said, I'd be more than happy to help any way I can because. Um, any plaques, any awards I may have gotten in my earlier life, they're packed in storage somewhere. I don't even know where they are. I don't need it. Uh, you know, I believe that, um, you know, the longer the name, the less somebody probably does. But I, I have a cute story. I will end it. And I know we're way over time, but hopefully that gives a little latitude here. The first paying job I got, I did, I was a maintenance boy. I cleaned up the, you know, the bathroom, swept the pool deck, cut the grass. I was 13 years old. I got paid a dollar 17 an hour. No, dollar 35, dollar 35 an hour. And, um, so I'm sitting there thinking one day, okay, I'm the maintenance boy. <sighs> Doesn't sound right. So on a piece of tape on the, on the storage door, I wrote sanitation engineer in charge of pool ecology. That was my title, man. I felt good. What do you do? Well, I'm a sanitation engineer in charge of pool ecology. What the heck's that? That's sweep floors and clean toilets. What do you think of me? <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I got so much traction out of that. People thought it was great. They were laughing. They thought, you know what? And see, back in Kentucky where I grew up, I was known as Jimmy. Now in the world, I'm Jim, right? But anytime I hear Jimmy, I know I'm back home. And they were just like, Jimmy, only you would think of something like that. It's like, hey, you know what? You, you got to laugh. You just got to laugh. So. Oh, I did that on a plane once. Um, you know, I sat in the opposite the toilet and I was literally flagging the toilet where people would stumble up the aisle not knowing where to go. <laughs> so I just point to the toilet and I come up with a cute little name for that as well as my, my job title for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. um, yeah, so was, yeah, something similar. I can't even remember what it was now. But I'm thinking it was something sanitary, like Sanitary um, on a signpost. So it wasn't something like Sergeant of Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I just used profanity. Oh well, okay. That's all right. All good. So, really, like, pleasure to have you on tonight, Jim. Like, thank you so much for, like, giving us your time and those amazing stories and stuff. Um, and for everyone watching, Let's remember, 
draw on that courage. Build up that confidence and let's get back your role. And changing the world one life at a time. Absolutely. All right, take it easy, guys. Thank you. See you, guys. Recording stopped.